Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I could get by with that with him. Amen. Matthew 24 and uh, verse number 45. The Bible states these words, Jesus speaking. He said, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made rule over his household to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servant, and to eat and drink with the drunken, and with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. He shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth flipping over now to Philippians chapter number 2 verses 5 through 8 if we can today Philippians 2 verses 5 through 8 the Bible says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. This morning, from these two passages of Scripture, I'd like to just basically teach this morning this concept, the principle of servanthood. The principle of servanthood. Servanthood. Amen. Let's pray one more time. No, we've had a lot of prayer, but Lord needs to help this old lump of flesh up here. Amen. To articulate his word. Father, I love you, Jesus, this morning. God, we're thankful for your word today. I pray, oh God, let it, God, find a place, Lord, of lodging in our hearts and in our souls. God, as we look at your word and we learn from the scriptures, God, knowing that there is life in them, your word says, I pray, oh God, let it, God, dispatch life to each and every one of us, Lord, this morning. God, that we would sit at your feet and become, Lord Jesus, students, God of servanthood, if you will, God, as you exemplified so well in your life. God, we'll praise you and thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I think perhaps we have rubbed shoulders with this idea before, but it's good to bring it up again and again. And that it is this. Just look at your neighbor this morning and say, you're a minister. Now, somebody's a little reluctant to say that, and perhaps someone else is reluctant to receive that. But the truth of the matter, that is the case. Setting out in front of me this morning are ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the New Testament word that is translated minister in our Bibles basically means a servant or to serve or to serve. And so many times we do that. We are ministers. We may not have a pulpit ministry. We may not teach or preach from a pulpit, but we all to certain degree should be serving 
not just the Lord, but serving one another, a servant to one or another. Uh, how is that possible, Pastor? Well, there's people that do this in this church, uh, just sending a little card, if you will, letting, you, letting someone know that you care for them or that they've missed or uh, Sister Jessup religiously. Uh, your birthdays and anniversaries, you'll receive a little card from her. What is she doing? She is ministering. She is ministering the best of her ability, uh, taking baked goods to someone that hasn't been in church for a while or someone that is, that is brand new. A loaf of bread is a way in which you could minister. A $25 gift card or money for that matter planted in the hand of someone that you know are going through some financial, financial difficulties. That is another way to be a minister or a servant unto them. Random acts of kindness, if you will, are just ways in which that we can minister and so there is though when we consider the kingdom of God when we learn this idea or concept of servanthood there is no greater example in the scripture of servanthood than Jesus Christ himself to begin to ponder that he left his home in glory as the old song used to say left his home in glory, took upon himself not the nature per se of a king, but the lowly position of a carpenter's son, came in the likeness, uh, could have came in the likeness of anybody, but he came in the likeness as of you and I, and he walked in this lowly position uh, from a lofty nature to a lowly position, and he, the Bible tells us that he even spoke and told to his disciples one time, he said, whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all and that was our Lord and he exemplified that in his lifetime coming down among you and I and so there are some examples of servanthood then that we see in scripture amen it is a process servanthood really is a process of transformation that happens in our life when we come from sinner to believer from, from lost to saved there is a work of a moment that takes place in our life but there is also a work of a lifetime that starts with that work. There's a, a, a becoming process that starts at that initial work. And so the idea of living as a servant in the midst of our world is very, very contrasting. Because by and large, our world today is a me-first culture. Me first. I'm going to do what I want to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Amen. A me-first culture. And so it's a challenge today to live in a servant type role whenever you're in a me first type of culture. But Jesus Christ, even in his day, lived in a servant type culture. He gave himself to servanthood when everybody else was wanting and buying for their own attention and their own affection. And whenever we examine the life of Jesus Christ, to the uninformed it may seem, well, he was nothing special. As a matter of fact, to some of his day he appeared as such just a son of a nondescript carpenter, nothing special, amen. But whenever we begin even to see where he came from, spent his childhood in Nazareth, the Bible says that many said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? This is nobody special. This is a man of Nazareth who is of a nondescript father who is a carpenter. Nothing can come out of this that is any good. But, and he's nothing special. But when we look a little bit deeper, we understand that this Christ Jesus was nothing more but the great God of heaven that manifested himself in the flesh. This is the one that others would say, never a man spake like this man. 
That wasn't due to him being the carpenter's son. That was due to him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so we have this great God of heaven that came and lived among mankind in human flesh, the creator, if you will, of all things, allowed himself to be bound to the flesh of human nature. The Colossian writer, speaking of the Lord, said, he is before all things and by him all things consist. This is the one that I'm speaking about who came down and became obedient, the Bible says, even unto death. What a role or example of servanthood. The one that could command galaxies into existence, cause the orbiting of things just by his word, speak disease out of bodies, bring the dead to life by his word, is a man that said, I'm going to allow myself to be hung upon a tree, the life's blood drained from me for the purpose of being a servant to all mankind and all of humanity. Now here's the great thing about it this morning for me, and that is he did not just do it for the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts dispensation of people. He didn't just do it for that time in that culture, but each and every one of us that are sitting out here this morning, he has become a servant to you and a servant to me and the same act of going from glory to the earthly wasn't just for them, that was for you, that was for me. He became a servant, everybody say, for all. That includes us. Amen, and what a great, great motivation of our Lord that he would do such a thing to provide for others. Being, being promoted by his passion for mankind, he would come down for his people. And there's an instance in his earthly ministry when he's about ready to go from there to Calvary, from there to the garden to Calvary, that he is sharing the Last Supper with his disciples that we oftentimes refer to as just that, the Last Supper. And as he is there, here are the disciples that he has taught for the past three, three and a half years on mountains under the shade of trees along seashores. He's tried to pour everything that he has been into them Amen. Everything that he knows, he's tried, he, had, he has tried to pour it into them. And, and the disciples, while sitting in this dinner-type setting, they're grappling back and forth over the, 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 the importance of themselves in God's economy. Who is the chiefest? Who is the most important? Who, and they're, having, they're jockeying for position, if you will, about who is the supreme and who is the greatest. And the Bible says there was strife. Here, here the Lord is at the very cusp of leaving there and going to death for them and they are arguing over who's the greatest and there's strife at the last, last supper table and they're dealing with all these different things and it's in that setting and in that moment of them grappling and them talking back and forth and them rubbing you know, their, their, their own lapel with their metal on it about how good they are and how great they are and how many miracles they sing that the Bible tells us in John 13 that Jesus then rises from the supper and he lays aside his garments and he takes a towel and he girded himself, poured water into a basin and he begins to wash his disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel and that he was girded with. Can you imagine that while you're talking about how important you are to the kingdom, <laughs> the one that's caused the gathering of the kingdom together gets down, changes garments, starts washing the feet of those, talking about how good they are, how important they are, 
to the purpose that the Lord was trying to do. Now, now, now with this all being said, we, we got to understand culture just a little bit. Um, I, I got closed-in shoes this morning. I don't, I don't know if I'll maybe own one pair of open-paired shoes, and that's called flip-flops. Amen. <laughs> just in case anybody thinks I'm going to high heels, it's not happening. But... Uh, uh, these closed shoes here, you know, travel for us, you know, we can travel from here to there and it's been very dry lately and uh, I can walk in and I got dust on my shoes but in a day where predominantly the shoe was no shoes or perhaps at least sandals, when you travel from place to place and you transported from place to place, you're going to enter in wherever you go with dirty, dusty feet and as a result of that, only the rich really had burdens a beast of burden that could carry them a donkey or a mule only only the very rich so by and large the greater portion of society whenever they entered anywhere they was going to have dirty grimy feet now notice this was not a time whenever the cattle just was in the pen they just kind of roamed you know so we're not just talking about dust in the road all right and i need to go no further i think the image is there but there isn't just dust on the feet there are some other things up on the feet as well that's been collected along the journey. And so they arrived, when they would arrive at a, at a common residence, usually if they were guests of a residence, whoever, whoever was the host was, they would find the lowest ranking servant that they had in their house to do the honor of washing the guest's feet from that dust and other unmentionable things that have gathered in their transport. The lowest ranking servant in the house but Jesus in that moment, he didn't arise and then call for another. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't just conscript another to take care of this business. He said, no, I'm going to take that upon myself. I'm going to take the level of the lowest servant of the house and I'm going to serve these people by washing their feet. And whenever he finishes... This is the, the thumbprint of God upon the lives of the disciples. When he finishes, he tells them in John 13 and verse 14 and 15, he states, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, he says, ye also to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. What are you saying, Lord? He said, I've come to be a servant to all. And as I've been a servant to you, so likewise you should go forth and be a servant to people as well. Amen. And that's what we're called to do. And this may tie a little bit with this past Wednesday. We are called as a church and we are called as Christians to be servants, amen, to mankind. Amen. Mankind, no matter where their feet have trod. Uh-huh. John's, John's or Matthew's or Judas's for that matter, these different disciples, whenever they came to the Last Supper that day, they may have came from different locations, no matter what their path had been to get there. If it was more gruesome than other paths, Christ said it doesn't matter what the path is of where they came from to get here. I'm going to serve him just as much as I'm going to serve this one. And so it doesn't matter what path they have come from. He says, go and do likewise. Be a servant to them all be a servant to them all and so that servant row that servanthood row is something that you will either willingly take on or you'll willingly reject it's a choice up to us amen and so just so that we don't paint the picture well that was jesus christ that was god manifested in the flesh 
that's a high and lofty example to try to live up to. You know, that's kind of requiring much. And so just so that we don't think that that's a too great of an example to try to mirror or emulate, let's consider then the Apostle Paul then. Like you and I, flesh and blood. The Apostle Paul was, was afford, afforded us a glimpse also into the life of Christ and the one that Christ would want us to live. He had a spiritual pre- pedigree, the Bible tells us. He, quite impressive. Whenever we speak of the Apostle, he says in Philippians 3 and 4, he says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think of that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, he says, if anybody thinks there's something, he says, listen about me. <laughs> He says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He said, I know you think you're a Hebrew, but I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. He says, as touching the law of Pharisee, he said, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul says, I'm all that and a side of fries. He says, I'm it. He says, I, I got this thing down. I, I, I got quite a pedigree. I could look back and show you my ancestry. And my ancestry alone is quite impressive whenever it cur- concerns religious things. But with the very breath that he states those things, the very breath he states all of that, just the next verses, he says, just those next verses, Philippians 3, 7 through 8, he's speaking about how he has this pedigree and, man, he's really something to be emulated and people should desire that they would even have a place like he has. But then he says, but what things were gained to me? He said, those I count loss for Christ." He says, yet doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. He said, as good as that may seem or appear, he says, I'll table that, I'll shelve that. He says, because I count all of that that would would be gained as loss for Christ. And whenever he says, I count that for loss of Christ, then I'm going to do whatever Christ desires of me to do. And what Christ desires of each and every one of us to do is what he told his disciples to do. Go and do likewise. Be servants to all mankind. So he says, as good as I am, amen, so to speak, I'm, I'm willing to take off that garment like Christ took off his garment for the purpose of becoming a servant to all of mankind. And we see that over and over again in the life of the Apostle Paul. He is willing to serve others, and he did. He had his own set of hardships, but you know what? He did not allow that to cause him to stop serving. He suffered persecution, but guess what? He continued serving. Amen. Serving people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He even told us in one place of Scripture, he said, I've made myself a servant of all. Boom, there's somebody that's mirroring the image of Christ, being a servant of all. So if Jesus Christ seems like too lofty of an example to try to mirror, then consider the Apostle Paul. Amen. He had his sufferings, his hardships, his headaches, had a good pedigree, but he says, I'm willing to lay it all aside for the purpose of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. Someone say, I'm a minister. You are a minister. You may not be a preacher but you are a minister to attend, to wait upon, a minister. 
over here. Let me point out some ministers we have here this morning. I don't know if we've ever introduced them as ministers, but we have some ministers here today. Sitting right over here at this tie on. Wave your hand there, Brother Fred. Brother Fred McGee, he's a minister. Yes, he is. To wait upon or to attend. Uh, by and large, every week around here, he mows the church grounds. Uh, he gets the baptistry ready whenever we need the baptistry ready, just to name a few things that he does. What's he doing? He's ministering. Send back here, back here. There's three, three group. You all three wave your hand. You know who I'm talking about. Charlene, Sister Jessica, Mike, you just wave your hands. These are ministers. What? Yeah. I know that you've never seen them up here speaking, but they're ministers. They clean this church. They clean this church. They clean the restrooms. They emptied the trash, so on and so forth. They are ministers of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are some ministers that are around here this morning. Amen. Whoever knew that? Amen. That they were here, but they are. And if you visit the sick, you visit shut-ins. Some of these, I know our elders have done that. There's been a group of posse of these elders sometimes that show up. At, I've went to hospitals to visit somebody and there's been some cackling and yakking going on to come to find out that some of these elder ladies from the church that have went to see somebody that's had surgery that day what were they doing they were ministering they were ministering they were serving and when you serve people you serve the Lord when you serve people you serve the Lord but it requires a surrendering of our will in order to do that amen amen because only really by serving people do we completely serve the lord what was it in matthew 25 i believe it was and the lord said hey when i when when when, when i was sick you visited me whenever i was prison you came to me whenever i was hungry you fed me whenever i was naked you clothed me and there's a puzzled look coming up on those whom he is speaking to lord when did we visit you when you were sick when, when, when did we clothe you when you was when, when, when did we do all this we're, we're trying to look back in our calendar figure out when was it lord that we've done these things and he said well when you've done it into the least of these when you went to visit the one that was sick and when you clothed the one that was naked and when you visited the one that was incarcerated when you've done it to the least of these you've done it to me what are you saying lord he said when you serve people when you serve humanity in these different episodes of life it's as though you have done it unto me now that should influence our approach if each time we're going to help clothe the naked we're saying well there they are you know it's just someone needing help again glory be to jesus no you're going to clothe the lord amen and if you approach it with that type of mindset, well, here's somebody else needing food. No, no, no. You're feeding the Lord by virtue of feeding that person. And so truly, whenever you serve other people, regardless of what their need is, you are serving, you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Often we have to touch them before he is able to touch them. Mm-hmm. Through the kindness of your generosity touching their life, sometimes open up their heart to be touched by the Lord. The Bible, I believe it is speaking of, of, uh, of uh, Lydia, I believe it is in New Testament in the book of Acts. The Bible speaks that the apostle came, he came preaching the word of the Lord. And the word that he preached, it penetrated her heart, the Bible says. And she acted upon what the apostle had preached. But before any of that took place, the Bible says that her heart had been opened. 
And because of her heart already been breached open, she was able to be impacted by the words even of the apostle. Well, sometimes just, just acts of kindness, whether it be feeding those that need fed or helping those that need help, is something that helps open up their heart so that whenever the word of God does go forth or they come to a church house, that that penetrates a whole lot deeper and he's able to minister to them and touch them. Someone say Amen. Being hospitable to people. Amen. Hospitable to people. Making them feel special. People like to feel special. Yeah. And I don't want there to deem anything in this life as though it's below my talents or my time or my abilities. No. Because uh, well, you can do the feeding. And you can do the visiting in prison. But if you do that without the right spirit. Then in some regards it's almost as the deed has been left undone. It's not just ministering, serving. It's serving with the right spirit. Lord, go along wash your feet. Boy, this is a horrible thing. You know, could you imagine if every foot he washed, he's talking about how horrible and gross and just obnoxious it was to deal with these feet that, well, that really, you know, just go on, Lord, you know. I don't need it anyway. I'll take care of it myself. So if we do a service to people and we're just grumbling, complaining about doing it the whole time we're doing it, whether behind their back or in front of them, now how much, how much stock are they going to put in the service that's being rendered? Huh? Seriously. I, the other day I called a certain establishment because I had a question about whether they had an item. I was at a store already that had one. I was just trying to compare prices and compare sizes and I was trying to get it. So I called this place and I asked if they had this item. They said, yes, we do have this item. Well, I had a particular uh, uh, detail I wanted to know about the item. I said, well, is it such and such? And the person on the other end says, well, I'm going to have to go walk way back and go find out. Like I had just, you know, I was the bullet in their day that took them down. And I was just calling just for a common courtesy of just trying to figure something out so I wouldn't have to make the trip. Well, it made me just want to say, you know, well, I'll just stay here and buy this even if it's a few dollars extra just because of the whole scenario. Well, sometimes your service to other people, you say, well, I did this, that, and the other. Yeah, but, you know, did you complain? Did you have it? With, did you do it without the Spirit of Christ? Did you, do it, did you do it because you just knew it was the thing to do but you begrudged the whole time that you were doing it? Because if that's the case, then we need to step back. It's not just being a minister and serving. It's serving with the Spirit of Christ as well. I mean, make them feel like you wouldn't rather be doing anything else in that moment except what you're doing right then. That, you know, the world stops right here and that you're just overwhelmed and you're glad to be doing what you're doing right now. See, Jesus had, Jesus had such a ministry of being able to do that, to be able to make the people he served feel special. We find him in John 4, sitting on a well. He said, I must needs go through Samaria. He's sitting on a well. He's thirsty. He's hungry. The disciples have even been, went away to get food. He's sitting there with purpose. He's where he's at. With purpose, with intention, he's where he's at. And he's sitting at this well, and here comes a, a Samaritan woman who, who, who has a past and has baggage from her past. Uh-huh. He even spoke to her at that one time and says, you've had five husbands and one you're with is not your own. She has a past. 
But right here at the well, he's given this woman that's had the attention of several and he's given her his undivided attention, speaking to her, talking to her. At that moment, she doesn't know that there's any other purpose in him being there than just being there for the moment. And he has given his undivided attention unto her. Amen. She was special in the eyes of the Lord that he made a trip particularly to Samaria just for her. When's the last time you made a trip that wasn't for you but was for somebody else and solely for them? Servanthood. Here he has children coming up to him. Uh, the Bible kind of describes it as though the parents are bringing up the children coming up to him. All the other religious people around him. You know, no, 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 don't, don't bother the master. He's a very busy man, got a lot of things to do, go on. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's not what took place right here. Well, they were doing that, but Christ said, go on, bring those in here. He brought them near to him. He's, he's setting them down. He's putting his hands on them. Little kids. And what's the big deal with a kid, you know? They're important. Servanthood just does, is serving isn't just for adults. Serving is for kids. Matter of fact, the Lord smote me in my heart here just a few weeks ago, and it called it to my memory just here at the church. One of the kids from the church came up, and, and as they do, you know, our sizes are a little different. <laughs> and I, I try to con consciously get down on their level. A lot of times they get down on my knees. But it brought to my mind, one of them came up, and I don't know if I was talking about one of them just put their hands around my legs and hugged me and looked up at me. And it's Sister McGee, I failed to get down. And I stayed just towering up. Now, that might seem like a very simple thing to you, but to me, I'm thinking here's just big towering, quote-unquote, pastor. You know, and this little kid's got his arms wrapped around my legs, you know, just showing some love and affection. The least I could do is get down on my knees where I could get my hands around their neck and hug them. That's silly. It's not silly. I want that child to know from infancy until it reaches adulthood that it's important to me, important to this church, important to God. Because there will be other times arms will be out to things that are less impressive than the church and they'll get down and hug them. We don't want those other things embracing our children. We got to serve them and become servants and embrace them. Christ had them come in, pushed everything. Let them in. For such is the kingdom of God placed their hand, his hands on them. In other words, he wasn't too busy. Amen. To allow even a child to interrupt his day and feel his embrace. How many different people through the Gospels do we see were social outcasts? Amen. Even tax collectors that didn't have a good name at that time. Sinners, even if you will, that the Bible portrays. But we see him sitting down at a meal with some of these people. Others discarded, others gave up on him. Not Christ. He said, I've become a servant to all. I think we're called to in this lifetime to do the same to become a servant to all and may I emphasize importantly this morning the ones that everybody else has given up on those are some of the very ones we need to become a servant to so this sounds great Pastor McGee how, how you know where's the paperwork can I sign up how do we do this you know, what, 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 what can I do? What can I do to, to serve Christ by serving people? How can I do this? Well, there's a few traits that you might need in order to do this. Number one, firstly, you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to do it. An individual has to be willing to serve. Because 
married with that, if you're willing to serve, then you're more likely to have the attitude you should have when you serve. If you're unwilling, then there comes the wrong attitude. Amen. But I believe Christ has, through human nature, has provided plenty of opportunities. Plenty of opportunities for us to serve. But the choice belongs to us. I can only tell stories really from my own life, okay? I only tell stories from my own life. It's been quite some time ago, quite some time ago now, but uh, my, my, my wife wanted me to go get something. We were going to have dinner. We, we were without something. I don't remember what it was, a dressing, whatever, bread, who knows. So I ran over here uh, to Bilo, Alexis, to, to, to get whatever the item was that I needed. And I went over there, and I was standing in line, and there was in front of me a, a, a daughter and what seemed like a mother, and they were checking out. And I, you know, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I was over here in the conversation that was going on. And they had some type, I think, like a, a link card or something like that. And she says, I don't know if we have enough money. I don't know if we have enough money to take care. And what they had there wasn't like, you know, uh, ribeye steak. And it, it just looked like, you know, bread and some eggs and some milk and some just things that a person might need. And my heart's going out because, man, from the years of evangelizing, I understand when there was feast and famine. I knew what it was like to eat Vienna sausages out of can, and that was dinner, you know. So I understood. And so they were there, and God just laid on my heart, you know, Man, they're going to pay for that, and I, I'm, I'll just go take care of whatever was left. I, you know, who, I don't need to know the amount. Just, all right. And so they were going through. I said, hey, I said, don't be putting anything back. I said, just go on, do whatever you need to do. And I said, I'll, I'll take up the tab. And, man, I said that. Man, my heart just, whew, I could have burst with, 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 I don't know what. I got out to the car and already started crying. Thinking, man, you're silly. And I went home and started telling my wife, and I was just slobbering. And I was just going all over myself. And what had happened in the moment there just came, what was it? It was an opportunity. I could have turned my head. They could have put items up just as well as me paid for. They could have put items up. But there was something there. What was that? Oh, you just happened to be at the right spot at the right time. It could have been a God moment, folks. God could have orchestrated something and said, are you going to serve me? Because the moment that I let them pay for the rest of the groceries, I served them, yes, but I was serving the Lord. I don't know. I may never see them again in the eternity of my life. But whenever I laid my head down at night, I knew this, that I did what I should have done at the right moment. And I'm not begrudging over the moment. We say God provides moments and opportunities for those things in our life. And we're not always clued into it. Sometimes other people got to help us to see, hey, here's where you can serve. Here's, here's, here's an opportunity that God may be presenting before you, but you must, have, you must have a willing mind. Whenever Paul wrote the church at Corinth, and I'm hurrying along, whenever Paul wrote the church at Corinth, and he was talking to them about giving and about finances, and there was Jerusalem at that time was in need of help, and the church at Corinth was going to aid and going to help, and Paul told them in 2 Corinthians 8, 12, he said, for if there be first a willing mind, Paul just dropped it right there. He says, before there's anything else, he said, there, there must be a willingness. Because if there's a willingness, there will not be a follow-through in what is needful or in what is necessary. So there must be a willing mind if you're going to be a servant and have servanthood. Secondly, you must be faithful. Mm -hmm. Moreover, it's required of stewards or managers that a man be found faithful. You've got to be faithful, faithful to the task, faithful to the opportunities. Don't allow them to slip through your fingers. Be faithful to it. It's hard to depend upon somebody if they're not faithful. 
God says, it's going to be hard for me to depend upon you to serve others if you do it sometimes you don't do it other times. I need somebody that is faithful. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. <laughs> In the autobiography of a man by the name of John Kenneth Galbraith called A Life in Our Times, he wrote concerning the matter of faithfulness of his family's housekeeper. Her name was Emily Wilson. And he instructed her one day, Sister Craig said, hold all of my calls. I'm going to go take a nap. Hold all of my calls. No sooner had he gotten to sleep that the phone rang. And she answers the phone as the housekeeper there. And upon answering, she was somewhat taken back by the next words that she heard. The person, the man on the other end of the phone said, get me Kenneth Galbraith. This is Lyndon Johnson. Now, Lyndon Johnson was president of the United States. <laughs> upon getting her composure together, she said, he's sleeping, Mr. President. He said not to disturb him. Well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. And he was a little bit irritated here. Chief executive was. Emily's reply was, there was a model of faithfulness. I don't know how she did it. She said, Mr. President, I'm sorry I can't do that. This was his request. I'm going to hold to it. I work for him and you don't. Now that is an extreme bill right there. But there is a lady that uh, is a great example of faithfulness. Amen to the task. So you've you, you got to be willing. You've got to be faithful. But you also have to be wise. You have to be wise. Someone once said that wisdom is the ability to see life from God's point of view. You've got to be wise. In, in Robert uh, Shelton's book, or Charles Shelton's book, Sheldon rather, book years ago in his steps, Bishop, back whenever you was pastor, came the little WWJD that the world has taken with a craze and you got bracelets and you got dog collars and everything else uh, for the purpose of what would Jesus do. But it went everywhere. And all it was is that he challenged his church uh, for one, month, one year period of time to face every decision that they made with that question, what would Jesus do, and then go act accordingly and I think there is a certain there is a certain bit of wisdom in that amen that we need to you know maybe adopt for our age too what would Jesus do what would Jesus do so it does require that we're willing it does require we're faithful but we also must be wise but we also must be humble we must be humble and humility sometimes we have a wrong idea of humility humility doesn't necessarily mean thinking less of yourself than other people nor does it mean having a low opinion of your own gifts, all right? But it means you have freedom from thinking about yourself in one way or the other at all. Christ as a servant or as humility, he, he made himself of no reputation. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about who it was and how it was going to benefit somebody else. And so just taking the you factor out of the equation, thinking beyond you is in a sense humility whenever you're considering the needs of others beyond and above your own. Amen. But again, there will be no greater ability than your availability unto the Lord. Uh, so you say, Lord, I'm available to you. And that should be our plea to the Lord today. We are available to him. But we do not serve the Lord, though, just for rewards. He promised rewards, those who would selflessly serve him and do service unto him. He promised rewards, but it's not all about 
the rewards. Amen. It's not all about the rewards. Um, whenever Christ had divvied up the talents in Matthew 25, you know, the five, the two, and the one, when he divvied up the talents, and in his parable, the one came back to see what had been done, and the one with five had gained five more, and the one with two, two more, and the one with one had hid it in the earth, the Bible says. I think it's important to note that the real, the real reason of that master coming back was not to find out what they had not done with the talents. He come just to see what they had done. That was his true purpose, to see what they had done. So don't think that the Lord said up here and he's taking tabs. No, they didn't do that. They didn't. No, he's not trying to out, look out here and see what everybody's not doing. He, he's honing in on what you are doing. He's honing in on what they, he's a positive God. He hones in on what we are doing. The thing is, if we're not doing anything, then the self-evidence is there. So, so he, he's really trying to look at what we are doing. He told the apostle Paul, he said, note this, that your labor will not be in vain. And we have hard times struggling with that because we don't always see the, 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 the perk to it in this lifetime. We don't always see the reward in this lifetime. But he constantly, he constantly assures us your labor won't be in vain. I know you have your own set of hardships. I know you have your own times that you probably are the one needing fed, right? And you're the one that needs to be provided for, but your labor's not going to be in vain because whenever this whole thing ends and the master stands there and says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh-huh. We could even change that word out. Well done, thou good and faithful minister because that's what a servant is. They're a minister. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. At that moment, all the years that I didn't see the perk, it ain't going to matter in that moment. It's going to have been worth every meal I served, every bit of money I expended to buy clothes for somebody, every moment I went to the jail and visited somebody, every moment that I inconvenienced myself and it wasn't in my path, but it went in anyway. It's, it's kind of like a deferred payment plan, you know what I'm saying? It's deferred payment in this life. It's like payment day is never coming, it's deferred. But your labor is not in vain. Someone say amen. amen. I'm trying to keep track of time here. I don't want to take, take advantage of you good folks. Amen. Matter of fact, stand with me so I don't take advantage of you. And so we are created in many instances to serve. We are called, compelled by Scripture to serve. And so here's the thing. We should not be content until we have fulfilled that place of serving amen the bible said there in matthew 24 that we started with blessed is that servant whom his lord when he cometh shall find so doing doing what that he's making an increase he's serving he's he's doing what the lord has asked and required of us to do so i serve i serve the lord all the time but it is hard isn't it it's difficult sometimes because we'll be more apt to serve the lord than we are to serve just people so we serve the Lord I mean he's everything he's great he's done so much for me never had an ill word toward me he's never said anything bad about me <laughs> huh right he's to serve the Lord 
The Lord, he gave us then that thing. If you serve people, you'll be serving me. He made it more difficult because they may have said something wrong against you. He says, but I want you to serve them. They might have the worst of attitude. Honestly, not everybody you serve is just like, oh, we're so grateful. Some are just like, huh. and then one spit on your guts if they was on fire. And that is the true trial then of our attitude in service. Um, it really is. It really takes us, to, takes us to the plate this morning. We're called to be servants today. Servants unto the Lord. And I pray that the existence of this church, by and large, as time and time goes on and on, that if someone ever passes by or comes through, that they'll be able to look back at the assembly and say, you know what, those are a bunch of servant people. You know, I, there, there isn't one, you know, I, it's not that I just even made needs known, but they picked up on needs I had, and they just served they served amen amen and I believe that's the type of people God has called us to be if he could leave his throne in glory and come down here to serve each and every one of us let me tell you a few dollars a meal bought some clothes given is very minimal concerning the example that he exemplified for you and for I can we bow our heads in this place this morning God I love you thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.